0: Well, we made it. Season 4 premiere of Storybound. And we think it's our best one yet. Chuck Klosterman is the best selling author of eight books of nonfiction, including Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, But What If We're Wrong, and Chuck Klosterman 10, as well as two novels Downtown Owl and The Visible Man. He's written for The New York Times, The Washington Post, GQ, Esquire, Spin, The Guardian, The Believer, Billboard, The A.V. Club, and ESPN. He will be reading an excerpt from his newest fictional non-fiction work, Raised in Captivity, and he will be accompanied by an original Storybound remix with Portico Quartet.
1: Hi, I'm Chuck Klosterman, and you're listening to Storybound.
0: Welcome to Storybound, presented by Lithub Radio and the Podglomerate. I'm your host, Jude Brewer. In just a little bit, you'll get to hear Chuck Klosterman tell a story about a couple who considers getting a medical procedure that will transfer the pain of childbirth from the woman to her husband.
1: This world, this world, this world is, not our world, is not our world is not our world. Pain, pain, pain is a pain. Is a pain. Is a pain. Is a pain. Is a concept. 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 By which we measure our God. To measure our God. To measure our God. Identical, identical, identical to our own. To our own. Pain. 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 Pain our God. Oh no. Oh no. The doctor. The doctor. Oh no. The doctor. The doctor. The doctor. The doctor sits behind a desk, speaking to a man and a woman. The conversation is happening in a world that looks and feels identical to our own, with the same history and the same mechanics. But this world is not our world. This world is better they're discussing the procedure. The question is not whether or not you should do this, the doctor says. The question is mostly about whether or not your insurance covers the implant and how you want it to function. At this point, it's hard to justify not doing this, at least in some limited capacity, particularly if you have coverage for both the insertion and the removal. In the past, some plans only covered the front end so the removal was out of pocket, but that's become less and less common and it's actually not that expensive anyway. I would check with your HR department just to make sure. Just to make sure. Just to make sure. sure. We are covered and we want to do this, said the woman. I've been reading about this for a long time, way before I was pregnant. We both understand the technology, more or less. What we don't know is the normal way to do this. Like, how are most other people doing it? Well, that's a loaded question. There is no normal, said the doctor. He slid open the drawer of his desk and pulled out two spiked silver spheres, each one smaller than the head of a pin. He held one between his thumb and index finger. Well, these are the most basic implants, he said. We go in through the ear and plug it into the dorsal posterior insula. With adults, the process is easy. Fifteen minutes. Your dentist could probably do it. It's trickier on a newborn, but not by much. And once both individuals have the implant, it works almost instantly. You can't jump all the pain, but you can jump most of it, 90% at an absolute minimum. The average transfer is around 97%. 97% is a reasonable expectation. What happens to the other 3%? The man asked. Well, pain, As your wife probably read, isn't like someone pressing a button inside your brain, the doctor explained. It's not that contained. It's not that isolated. Pain is a ghost. It bleeds into everything. So the source patient will feel something. There's a sensation and some disorientation. 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 The source patient ingests the extraneous third percent. (laughs) Nothing that hurts, though. Nothing that hurts, though. The man had a second question he didn't know how to ask. He tried anyway. "Uh, You know, uh, I saw this British TV show on Netflix, he began. But the doctor cut him off. It's not like that, the doctor said. I I know what you're gonna ask, and it's not like that at all. So many people have asked me that question that I finally went back and watched the show you're referring to, which I enjoyed, but this will be nothing like that. This is not a way to share pain. This is a way to move pain from one host to another. And the recipient won't feel the same specific pain the source generates. It's not like your wife will experience pain in her cervix and you'll experience the same level of pain in your penis. We distribute the pain evenly throughout your whole body in order to mitigate the impact. For example, let's say you decide to do this for the birth only which is what most people... Yes, interrupted the woman. Explain how that works. Well, of course, said the doctor. Once you're full term, we implant the transmitter into your insula. We generally don't implant the receptor into your partner until the labor starts, since it's logistically helpful for the woman to feel the onset of her contractions. Like I said, the insertion is a 15 minute procedure. We can do it in the ER, if necessary. Once the receptor is secure and the connection is locked, the pain flows flows straight across the bowel. Any sensation the source contextualizes as discomfort automatically migrates to the recipient, as long as they're on the same Wi-Fi network. No need for an epidural, no need for opiates. The mother will feel the fetus sliding through the birth canal, but the transition won't be remotely excruciating. One woman told me it felt like swallowing gelatin in reverse. And the recipient, of course, will feel something quite different. The cliche is that it's like being t- 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 tased from the inside out. From the inside out. Most partners choose to be sedated for the process. Some like to sit in a warm bath and drink beer or wine, which we allow. But we do require that the recipient remain conscious for the safety of all involved parties. What could go wrong, asked the man. Why would it be unsafe for me to be unconscious? He's just being cautious, said the woman. He's just telling us what he has to tell us because he's a doctor. This is not dangerous, right? It's been widely reported that this procedure is not dangerous, right? Nothing ever goes wrong. That's basically true, said the doctor. There's never been a fatality or a successful malpractice lawsuit. There's always a minuscule possibility of circulatory shock, but even if that were to happen, it would be happening inside a hospital. It it couldn't happen in a better place. We're doing this, said the woman. We've made our decision. Excellent, said the doctor. I will get the initial paperwork started, and we can talk about the specifics in our next visit. Give me ten minutes to print and collate the copies. In the meantime, read this brochure and see if you have any questions before moving forward. Read the back page first, and pay special attention to the third point.
0: The music you're hearing in this episode was sampled from the song double helix by portico quartet and now for a quick commercial break you are listening to storybound with chuck klosterman and portico quartet and now we return
1: from our break The doctor handed the couple a five-page pamphlet and left the room. The image on the front was a cartoon of two rabbits, one smiling and pregnant, and one screaming and pulling its ears. The man grabbed the document from his wife's hands and immediately flipped it over. Natal Pain Migration. Six things to consider before you proceed. Number one, this is a shared responsibility do not agree to this exchange unless both parties are comfortable with the intensity of the experience. Number two, not all pain is pain. Migration is a technological process, but also an intellectual process. The transfer of sensation only occurs if the source actively perceives that sensation as negative and categorizes it within her own abstract definition of what constitutes If, for example, the source needs to urinate, the recipient will probably not feel that mild discomfort. If, however, the source chooses not to empty your bladder for four or five hours, the discomfort will, almost certainly, cross over to the recipient. Number three, pain is not gender specific. Most studies suggest that males have a higher tolerance for pain than females. This, however, does not apply to all couples. It is unwise to transfer negative feelings from a woman with a high threshold of pain into the body of a partner whose threshold is significantly lower. Some men also feel an obligation to absorb their partner's discomfort due to social pressure. Keep in mind that this belief is antiquated. Number four, this is a short-term situational solution. It is not uncommon for couples, particularly following C-section evacuations or births requiring vaginal incisions, to request that the implants remain inside the cranium of both parties during the first few days of recovery. Though this decision is always left to the purview of the involved parties, it is strongly discouraged. The highest risk involved with this procedure is the possibility of the source patient injuring herself due to a lack of awareness, casually placing her hand on a hot stove or failing to recognize the symptoms of an appendicitis. Pain exists for a reason. We advise removing the implant as soon as possible. Number five, number five, number five. Infant implantation is not recommended. Many parents, upon the birth of their child, feel an overwhelming and understandable desire to place an implant inside the newborn's brain and absorb all discomfort from the vulnerable child's early maturation. This, while possible, is strongly discouraged unless the newborn faces a medical threat that is terminal in nature. Number six. Some pain is unknowable. The transfer of physical pain through this procedure is precise and objective. The transfer of emotional pain is not. If the individual giving birth experiences profound emotional distress, such as scenarios where the newborn is deformed or not responsive, the pain recipient may experience, may experience a high degree of unspecific menace. The residue of this exchange can sometimes be permanent, even following the removal of the implant. If this occurs, ask your physician to place you in contact with a therapist or a psychologist specializing in this very rare condition.
0: The music in this episode was sampled from the song Double Helix by Portico Quartet. And now for our final break. You are listening to Storybound with Chuck Klosterman and Portico Quartet. And now we return for our final chapter.
1: The office door opened and the doctor returned. He stepped behind the desk and pushed a stack of paperwork toward the couple, along with two pens. He joked that the process of transferring pain between two human bodies was only slightly less complicated than applying for a mortgage. The man was not amused. I'm not so sure about this, said the man. This last point on the list, the thing about emotional pain that can last forever, that seems bad. Is it like PDSD or something? It never goes away? Well, it's extremely rare, said the doctor. Extremely. And honestly, we haven't been doing this long enough to verify that it never goes away. It might, over time. It might fade. We only know that it can last after the implant is removed. But it's complicated. Since it only happens if the mother experiences a traumatic event, we don't know if her partner's symptoms are due to the transfer of the pain or a byproduct of the event itself. I mean, okay, God forbid, let's say there's a intrapartum death. Let's say, God forbid, that the child is stillborn. Your wife will comprehend that event intellectually and a massive spike of existential despair will jump into your body. It's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. But then a nurse will take you aside and explain what actually happened. And that conversation will hit you just as hard. And then the implant will be removed from your wife's brain and she will have to confront the emotional consequence of what has just happened for the first time. And you will have to help her through that. So the sense of doom that lingers with the recipient might be how any normal person would feel in the wake of any tragedy. We just don't know, and we can't know. The man listened to this and felt better, although not much. The procedure would be fine, probably. Nothing would happen, probably. He wanted to do this. It seemed like the right thing to do, and there was nothing worse than seeing his wife in pain. A few of his male coworkers had gone through the procedure and bragged about it constantly. The technology was fascinating. And he viewed himself as the kind of person who adopted new ideas before they became standard. Yet something about this concept still worried him, even though he couldn't explain what it was. He and his wife had talked about this at length, always framed as a choice they both perceived as obvious. But now he was staring at the paperwork and holding a ballpoint pen, and he started to wonder if perhaps He had not thought about this decision with the depth it demanded. Can I ask a possibly dumb question? The woman said politely. The fifth item on this list. I know it says you shouldn't. I wish they wouldn't include that at all, the doctor interrupted. It's on the list for the express purpose of telling people not to do something, and all it does is plant the seed. Here's the thing. It will be bad for your baby's development if you take away its pain. I realize it's always difficult when a baby is teething or has a fever or gets circumcised. It's hard to hear them cry when there's nothing you can do to help. You can only be as happy as your least happy child. But taking pain away from an infant always ends badly. I know of one couple in Tokyo who didn't remove the implant from their son's brain until he was almost two. That was over three years ago and he's still having a hard time adjusting to reality. He can barely walk Kids need pain in the same way they need milk. Kids need pain. But when does that stop? Asked the man, finally recognizing the core of his apprehension. How do we know adults don't need pain? Isn't it possible that childbirth is supposed to be painful for the woman? Why would that possibly be? Asked the doctor. Yes, said his wife. Please explain why it's supposed to be normal for me to experience pain while you experience nothing. I'm not a doctor and I'm not a philosopher. I have no idea why this would be true beyond the fact that this is how it's always been before. I realize that things change, but still, why are we migrating the pain into another person? Why not put the reception implant into an animal, a pig? A monkey. Why not an elephant? An elephant would barely notice. Because that would be cruel, said the doctor. Okay, fine, the man continued. Then how about a convicted murderer? How about some child rapist sitting in a supermax? How about war criminals? Why does it have to go into me? You could jump this pain anywhere, into anyone. I could probably pay some college kid to take it. Why do I have to absorb someone's agony just because I happen to love them? Because we're married, said his wife, because that's what love is. The papers were signed. The baby was perfect.
0: Thank you to Chuck Klosterman for reading. You can pick up your own copy of his book, Raised in Captivity, at your local bookseller. Oh, and if you haven't looked them up already during one of the commercial breaks, please check out Portico Quartet. That's P-O-R-T-I-C-O, Quartet. The song sampled in this episode, Double Helix, is from their album, Memory Streams. Go check them out. Look them up on Spotify. That's Portico Quartet. Also, thank you to Epidemic Sound. Thank you to our friends at Penguin Random House, Colleen McGarvey, Dan Zitt, Catherine Punia, and Lance Fitzgerald. Also, a big thanks to our Digital One Studio friends, Kelsey Woods, Michelle Stolberg, and Josh Millman. Thank you to our production assistant, Jordan Aaron, and our mixing engineer, Tim Carplus. Storybound is arranged, produced, and hosted by me, Jude Brewer. Our executive producers are Jeff Umbro of the Pogglomerate and Justin Alvarez of LitHub. If you want to hear more episodes, come back on Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Follow us on Instagram or on Twitter at StoryboundPod. See you then.